And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Darren Earlywine, founder and CEO of Blackbird Mission. All too often, we think God is playing a huge game of, of red light, green light, and that he's mostly a red light God. How many times do we have God recorded telling us, go, be strong, be courageous, go, therefore go, 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 go. If you're at a place right now when you really do feel like that God has given you a vision for it, that very well may be why God put you on earth. And if he's entrusting ideas that are currently on his mind and his heart to your brain, you gotta go after it. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert, and I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. And if this is your first time joining us here, welcome aboard. And if you're a regular subscriber, we would like to welcome you back for another episode. Today, we're in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're in studio with our guest today, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, Every once in a while, I get to interview somebody that I've known outside of the world of Bottom Line Faith, and that's the case today for my guest, uh, Darren Earlywine. Darren is the founder and CEO as well, I assume. Sure, well, just all the titles. All the titles, right? <laughs> For Blackbird Mission, and you can check out Darren and his work at blackbirdmission.com. That's blackbirdmission.com. And so we have on the program today speaker, radio program, podcast host, and entrepreneur Darren Earlywine. Darren, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. It's great to be uh, part of the podcast. A little odd for me being on the other side of the uh, desk, not hosting. <laughs> so not, now I know why people feel nervous when they come and do <laughs> <laughs> to do our stuff. Well, that's that's actually a great segue. Tell us a little bit uh, about your podcast, about your program. We're going to get into the faith elements and sure. all those things, but w- what is it that you're doing these days? Yeah, I, half the time I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like it just continues to evolve. And um, a couple of different things that we do that are part of Blackbird Mission, I do host uh, a weekly uh, three-hour uh, radio show on 99.5 WZPL, which is uh, Indianapolis's number one hit music station. So completely secular station. Uh, they, they throw us the keys to the to the kingdom every Sunday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. and get to host that show. And we say it's Indy's weekly dose of faith, hope, love, and music. And so um, it, it is a faith-based show, but we talk about everything going in our, you know, in our lives and what's going on in the community. And the goal there, you know, raised it. Can we, can we find a way to make a conversation about faith a little more normative? Yep. Um, and so we host that. I, um, I also host a podcast called the Born to Be podcast, where we interview, you know, authors, artists, thought leaders, pastors, uh, just from around the country and really mine into their story to say, how, how did you walk into this process of really discovering who you were born to be? And uh, just inspired by the content we do with that. And all of that has actually come as a result of many years ago, I stepped away from traditional ministry and started a ministry called Pub Theology, where we go out in local bars. And that the tagline there is faith, hope, love, and beer. So uh, we bring bring those those together for Indy's best party with a purpose and uh, try to take the love of Jesus outside <laughs> the, the walls of the church. So do all that kind of stuff in between but I usually find myself on the on the uh, on the front side of, of the interview process so this is a a role reversal for me, but I like it. <laughs> so far, well, you, you haven't heard of that. That's true. That's it, true. So <laughs> that is great. So, well, before we go on, give, give me that line again around pub theology. It's it's Indy's best party with a purpose. Yes. But it's the four words there we bring together, faith, hope, love, and beer. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, is there any brand of beer that's more anointed than another, or is it all is it all about the same? You know, I read a book actually a couple of years ago 
called, uh, it's actually a fascinating book. It's called In Search of God in Guinness. Yeah. Have you ever read it? No. The missions pastor at the church, one of the churches I used to work at here in Indy, he gave it to me. Fascinating book about the story of Arthur Guinness and his family and Guinness beer. Uh, in some ways, the way they saved Dublin as a city. Uh, it is an absolute fascinating read. So if there were anointed beer, it would probably be Guinness, but it's like, Drinking a Guinness is like eating a whole loaf of bread. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> but there's a great story behind it. Okay, fantastic. So to talk to us a little bit about, Darren, you, you mentioned a lot of what you're doing now rooted out of this ministry and, and, and entity of pub theology. Yeah. Tell us more about that, and how did that come about? Yeah, it doesn't make really any sense, um, my story. I grew up as a—I'm uh, a pastor's kid, yeah. came out of uh, a, the Wesleyan denomination, which is a, you know, a very uh, out-of-the-holiness movement, you know, a kind of a, a complete teetotaling, no alcohol, you know, no smoking, no R-rated movies, no dancing, kind yeah. of a lot of yeah. no's. And that was the context of Christianity that I grew up in, and so the fact that you know, for years now, I've been known as like, you know, quote unquote, like the pub pastor mm -hmm. uh, is really odd to me because if you would have asked me as a kid, would that be part of my journey? I would have said, there's no way that could be a part of my journey because there's no way I could still be a Christian and be that guy. And so it's just kind of crazy to see the way that that has evolved and the journey that God's taken me on to, to start pub theology and now with everything else we're doing. But honestly, I think along the way, and I think one of the ways that, that God has used my journey is... The fact that I, I've had to get over that hurdle myself, I think it helps me step into people's life yeah. with a little more empathy and go, hey, listen, like I get how you could be at a place of thinking there's no way that God could fit into to my context, to my story, uh, because there was you know a lot of times that, that I couldn't see that. What I'm really intrigued about is this aspect of what you're—and we'll talk about the other things, but in the inside of pub theology is— mm -hmm. What does that look like? I mean, walk me through the tangible part. Like, are you just hanging out in a bar, just waiting for a conversation? I know you're a musician. Yeah. What does it look like inside of this work? Yeah, the, I guess, beginnings of pub theology for me started, honestly, way back in like high school, is I was a musician and, mm -hmm. and I wanted to play, I wanted to perform, I wanted to play the best kind of music we could. And so I uh, wanted to start a band and got into college. We did that, put a band together, and we toured all over the nation for two years. Uh, we'd play camps, uh, churches, conferences. But then a lot of times on the weekend, my goal was to book us in in bars all over the, the, the nation. And so we got a chance in those years to to play the Whiskey A Go-Go in, in L.A. on the Sunset Strip and bars in, I mean, all over, Kansas City, uh, Detroit, uh, Phoenix. And it was in those moments where we would we would play our set of music and we get done playing and there were some some dark bars we were in. I mean, mm -hmm. Sunset Strip wasn't exactly a you know a great you know holy land of, of places. We played a bar in in Detroit, literally one of the scariest moments of my life. They we had to actually cage. They had a cage where you would park your van and trailer so that it wouldn't be stolen while you were performing. But we would go in and play these bars, very very dark places, and we get done and we'd be talking to the locals or talking to the regulars or talking to the sound guy. And they'd say, Hey, we talking about, you guys are talking about Jesus during a couple of those songs. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, the sound guy or some regular is opening up about their story of faith and where that's gone and where that got disconnected. And, and so the seeds of what if, what would it look like to go into the everyday spaces of play in, in places of people's lives and, and let them know, like, listen, Hey, God's not far from you. You know what I mean? He never stopped. He didn't give up on you. He's still there. That's where it started. And so I, I was a church planner. I'd been church planning for about six years. I, I say I kind of had a, a missional freakout moment where I realized in my life that I, I had no influential relationships with anybody that didn't know Jesus. 
and I define that as as no nobody that didn't know that didn't know Jesus was inviting me to their parties. And I think if you look at the life of Jesus, you see that you knew he had influence with people that were notorious sinners because they invited him to their parties, right? Yeah. Not only was I not getting invited, one of the, the moments came for me, I, I was trying to go watch a Cubs game in my neighbor's garage. And I remember coming back from, from the garage and I told my wife, I was like, babe, I'm like, I'm over there trying to have a conversation. It was super awkward and I didn't know what to say. And I don't know, you know, if your wife has the ability to say really gentle, loving things to you. And my wife looked at me and she said, well, that's because you're not a real person anymore, Darren. Hmm. And I was like, excuse me? And she was like, unless you're doing church stuff, talking about church stuff with church people, you don't know how to have a conversation. Like you become like a, a, a caricature of yourself, right? And that sent me on this kind of tailspin uh, that ended up um, me drawing on some of those lessons of, of, of when we used to play in bars, went on a missions trip to Bosnia, was over there for the first time overseas. We went to this uh, dance club after we were in a coffee shop. We were rebuilding classrooms over there, and the, the missionaries were like, hey, you guys want to you know, go see the culture here and, and leave no Bosnia? So we said, sure. And we went to this bar, and it was interesting to me, Ray, because here I am, first time ever overseas, and the two dance clubs in town were packed full of young adults. And, and I was like, man, the same thing happened in Aleve knows the same thing happened in every city in America. And the, the thought that I think God gave me, he said, I thought was if we could find a way to own the room, we could really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And that was, that was uh, significant for me because I'd seen people doing bar ministry where they were the Christians in the corner yeah. doing a Bible study, and it was kind of weird. What I realized was the power of owning the room. If you give me a stage and I can entertain you, well, now I, you, know, you give me a couple thousand watts of a PA and a microphone, well, now I own the room. Yeah. And I can take you where I want to take you as far as you know, a journey emotionally, the content, what we're doing. So that idea came. We came back. Put a band together, started getting booked uh, to play uh, to play on a Wednesday night, and uh, it just kind of evolved from there. Uh, longer story, rather than we have time for the podcast, but God opened the door to uh, what, we, what we call a person of peace in this bar that we were at. Uh, he let us uh, start this idea, and so the, the the night has evolved. And basically, what we do is we we're the entertainment for the night. So we bring live bands, uh, comedy, giveaways. This summer, we're going to have a magician with you that's going to do some table magic at different places. So we're entertaining you, but we're always bringing a, a, what we call a compassion spotlight, either a, a local charity or a company, somebody that's come alongside and served their community in a way. And the idea there was we wanted to bring stories to the bar that introduce people to what we call what I call. Um, Actually, I stole it from Erwin McManus, but soul themes, mm -hmm. you know, themes that resonate in someone's soul, whether they have a relationship with, with God or not. And so these are themes like compassion, servanthood, generosity is uh, if we tell stories that are that are going to um, awaken people's souls, even though they don't know why, I want to introduce them to their soul coming alive before we introduce them to Jesus. And so we'll do interviews with folks, games, giveaways, stuff like that, the band plays. And then I always do a thought of the night. So I put together a little three-minute sermon that kind of brings together the mm. theme of the night. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then we usually end the night with uh, with a text Q&A time where people can just text in questions about faith, hope, love, you know, relationships, God, whatever. And I do my best to answer them you know, live on stage. Wow. So, and then after we get done doing that, then the band plays for, you know, another hour, hour and a half, uh, two hours. And we hang out and try to you know meet people and build relationships. And so that's a long story to a really short that's question great. you actually, had. That's great. And actually, I'm going to come back to it in just a moment about it's, it's kind of connection to 
our listeners here who are a lot of business owners and marketplace leaders. So I'm going to come back to yeah. the connection there, but m- maybe share one example, one story that stands out to you that like blew you away of what God did in the midst of one of these pub theology yeah. events. I can remember uh, it was a couple, um, it was right around Christmas. It's been years ago, but um, there was a, a bartender at the main bar we were at and she was there you know, for every pub theology every month and every week because she worked there. And she wasn't ever real nice to us. So I thought she hated us. I mean, she said that someday she'd be nice. A lot of times she wouldn't be. And so we got to the end of a night and uh, got to the text Q&A portion of the evening. And uh, and she sent a question in and it stopped me in my tracks. It said, what am I supposed to do with a relationship with God if I believe he hates me? And I realized that, it, that she had sent it. And it was in that moment that it became clear that I'm like, it hasn't been that she has hated us the whole time. To her, we represent a God that she thinks hates her. And so that night I said, and it was you know one of those cool moments where the Holy Spirit just kind of gives you a download mm-hmm. of, a, of an answer, right? And mm-hmm. I said, um, and it was anonymous. And I mean, no one knew that she had asked the question. I said, I said, if, you, if you're here in the bar tonight and you believe that God hates you, I was like, I want you to look no further than the story of Christmas. And this happened to be around Christmas time. I was like... If I'm the God of the universe that created and sustained it all, and I'm mighty and powerful and holy and all the things that you associate with God, and I'm mad at you, I hate you, I'm not going to show up on your planet in the most humble and vulnerable manifestation of hu- of humankind possible. Like the fact that God showed up as a baby lets you know that he came to say, listen, I want to make peace with you. I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. And um, that started a dialogue afterwards. I came up to her and I said, hey, I said, I, I know you sent that text message. I was like, can we talk? And we ended up meeting a couple of times for coffee. And she started reading the Gospel of John, uh, asking questions, putting yeah. that together. We got her connected to a local church here uh, in town. And uh, she started taking her daughter to church and, and growing in her relationship with Lord. And so those are just those kind of cool moments. That's one that stands out to me. Oh, thank you. That I know there are many more. We've talked in the past. Yeah. So I'd like to then now parallel this uh, and what this aspect of your work with pub theology to a person who's listening to this, who's in business and in the marketplace, because in essence, what you're doing is you're bringing faith, Christ, into a broken place, yeah, a bar yeah. in that case, yeah, right? It's very similar to the business person who has the opportunity yeah. to bring their faith and bring Christ into the marketplace in deals with vendors, with customers, and even with competitors. Maybe give some advice or some encouragement that if I'm a business person listening to this conversation with you right now, how would you encourage me to do what you've described you're doing with pub theology? Just change the context for me. What does that look like? You know, I I think it has to do with being, to just being normal. And maybe this sounds weird, but I meet and see so many Christians that we get, like me with my neighbor. I was weird. I couldn't just hang out and have a relationship. Like it had to be churchy. And I, you, you know, and we have all of our dumb church words that we use that, you yeah. know, our Christianese. And, and, and I started realizing like you've got to make your faith accessible to someone in your life. And so what I would say is, you know, one of the things that we did with Pub that a lot of people don't know this about our story is we hung out in the bar and we were pastors over, you know, at that point, I was a pastor of the church that was across the street. We would have our staff meetings at lunch there in the bar. Now, we didn't come in and tell people, hey, I want you guys to know we're the pastoral staff of the church over here, right? We just 
were normal and and built relationships with the people. Yeah. After about six months, I was like, guys, listen, we need to out ourselves here. Like, you know, <laughs> yep. like they need yep. to know. And so we did, and and it took relationships, and 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 we kind of became the pastoral staff in some ways at that bar even before we started pub theology. And so I would tell somebody is that is don't miss the normal things of life. You don't have to come to work every day and, and hand out tracks. You know what I mean? You don't have to, to, to live by some slogan of a, of a banner that's on your you know wall or something. Is Look at your life. If you're a Christian business owner, is anyone inviting you to their parties? Is anybody inviting you, you know, to, to go grab a drink after work? If, if they're not, then it could be that you're presenting an element of your faith that to them seems completely inaccessible. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would say a part of it is just making that connection with Jesus as normal as it is, that it's a part of every, it's a part of everything in your life. It's an everyday thing. It's an every space kind of thing. And so making it normative and making it accessible to people in, in your life, because one thing that's blown me away, Ray, in all these years is I used to think that I was really committed to the mission of Christ. Like maybe I was more committed to it than he was. Because when I was a pastor and there was times I wasn't seeing people come to faith regularly at our church, I started to literally, some of my, my, my missional freakout moment was I began to think, I don't know if God still works on adults. Like, you know, all the national stats, if you don't make a decision you're to follow Jesus by the time you're 18, you're not going to. And so I started thinking, man, I don't know. Does Jesus still work on adults? You know, here I am busting my tail to do everything we can at this church. And Jesus, are you even out there doing your thing? And I can tell you, now that I've stepped out of it into more of a marketplace space, and I, you know, a lot of listeners are in that same space, I am blown away by how often now I'm bumping into work that Jesus has been doing long, long before I got there. But if I can, if I can build a relationship, if you can build a relationship with a coworker where your faith is is normal, part of your life, I think you're going to be amazed at how active Christ is in his mission all around you, yeah. uh, if you open your life up to him. I think it's very powerful, and uh, I'd, I'd like to just maybe go one layer deeper on this conversation. Yeah. So for, as an example, I personally do not drink any sort of alcohol. Now, I also see personally no problem with it from even a faith standpoint. Sure. I know the Bible is very clear on drinking under the point of drunkenness. Yeah. So advise me, you know, if I'm a follower of Christ... How can I engage in those relationships in their space and in their world and in a way that doesn't cause me to stumble or sin or compromise? Again, mine's not even so much on a moral thing. I just don't do it. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't like the taste of it and et cetera. I'm yeah. just using that as an example. Yeah. But it's applicable to a business person. How do I enter into that world and be real, to your yeah. point, yeah. and yet maintain the the purity of my faith and don't compromise who God's calling me to be. Does yeah. that make sense? Absolutely. I think that's that's the tension, right, of when the word talks about to be, you know, in but not of. Yes. When Jesus says things like, hey, you need to be shrewd as a snake, but innocent as a dove. Yeah. And, you know, it, in my opinion, it, it may, and people, you probably have a bunch of listeners going to say his opinion's totally wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Is my opinion is that life is a lot more gray in these areas than black and white. It seems to me, I studied the life of Jesus, that, you know, that he drank. I mean, his first miracle, miracle. is yeah. ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's yep. the most socially irresponsible thing that Jesus could ever do. If any of us did what Jesus did in his first miracle, every church we go to would be up in arms and calling us the most irresponsible Christians possible. There's no, there's no way to define it other than yeah. that. Yep. They ran out of wine and he made 120 more gallons of it. 
Like the yeah. ant, that story should have ended by Jesus yeah. being like, they've already been irresponsible. They've obviously drank too much. I will give them water, right? Or maybe mm -hmm. some Gatorade because they need to sober up. He doesn't. He irresponsibly, in my opinion, makes more wine for these people. And that that kind of thing has screwed my mind up sometimes <laughs> to be like, what is Jesus doing, right? Yep. But I think there's a tension there. And so I think for some people, if you know that 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 alcohol can be a problem for you, then you need to be as wise as a snake in that. You know what I mean? And as innocent as a dove. But if it's not, I'm amazed personally at within our culture, because it's and it's different overseas, right? That's we, right. It's different overseas. So we have to understand our context. In America, I'm amazed that if you will sit down and have a beer with someone and they know you're a Christian, they think that you don't drink, smoke, or chew or date girls that do, right? That's your thing. That's what sets you apart as a Christian. In my opinion, is like, if we're saying that what makes you a follower of Jesus is that you don't smoke, chew, or drink, yeah. like, yeah. we have put the, the cookies aren't even on the bottom shelf. They're not even on a shelf. Yeah. Like, this is about a transformed heart from the inside out that has so much more to do than those outward things. I've just seen that if you can get into a space and say, hey, listen, let's embrace some vulnerability together. It makes a difference. So, I mean, I don't like to paint with enormous broad strokes. You have to be wise in, in yourself. Yeah. But if it's not a problem for you, if it's not a struggle for you, I think you'd be amazed if you just maybe started going to happy hour with some of the guys that you work with and having a beer and letting them share their story with you, how much you might find influence to see the kingdom of God come into their life. Yeah. But you got to be wise about it. You got to be smart about it. And so would you then take it to the point of we, we kind of know in our knower when we've crossed the line. Yeah. We can't enter into that sin. We can't, you know, for example, I mean, you know, I'm probably not wise if I'm going to go to the strip joint to, right. to witness to my coworkers. Because then I've placed myself in a totally, I mean, I'm just asking if that's yes. your viewpoint on that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think, I, and I've had people come up and, and that have up, been upset about, you know, pub and they're like, so what's, you know, what's the next ministry? You know, you know, right, you know going yeah. to strip joint. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and for me, I kind of want to come across the table at somebody for that because it's like, yep. no, like my wife, might start a ministry to strippers, yes. but there's no chance on planet Earth that as a man you're going to go into a strip joint and not and not have you know sinful thoughts. It's it, yeah. it's not wise. Yeah. So if we're going to stay what Jesus said and said, let's be as you know, let's be wise and let's be shrewd. Well, there's no wisdom there for my wife to do it. It's wisdom for me to do it. Not wise. That's fantastic. You know. Yeah. So it. it and I I just think my thing about drinking is alcohol is very dangerous and you need to be very wise with it. But I'm just amazed in the journey that I've been on. Traditional conservative Christianity in America, we are so passionate about our purity around alcohol, but we're not that concerned about gossip, slander, unforgiveness. We're surely not that concerned about gluttony. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, yep, yep. and it's like, you know, we just have to be fair about it and yep. realize that and I think that's some of my passions growing up within, you know, in a pastor's home and, and, and so deep in the church. It's like, you know, I'm going to go to a church potluck where people are just absolutely gorging themselves in yeah. food. And then it's great. No problem at all. Yeah. You know, and the issue here is, is not food. It's that you don't have self-control and you're self-medicating for whatever's going on in your life with the one acceptable Christian vice, yeah. Yeah. which is food. Yeah, yeah. And feel justified to really feel bad about the neighbor guy who's doing that with Coors Light. But, you know, if we could submit our entire life in every element, element you know what I mean, to, 
to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, what does self-control look like in everything that I'm doing? I think we'd see that the vice itself maybe isn't the thing that's unholy. We got to look at what's the condition of our heart. And I think living in that kind of gray area is really uncomfortable for most of us. We're like, yeah, let's just not go that deep into my own situation. Just give me four or five rules that I can follow and stop thinking that deep. Yeah. Thank you. That, that is really good. And I, and I really don't want to like make this whole conversation around an issue or a certain vice. It really is about the condition of the heart. And so if I'm a business leader, right. And I'm running a company or leading an organization, my thing may be greed. My thing may be, I'm going to make a profit, and if I hurt people in the process, that could be my thing that I wrestle with, right? So you're an entrepreneur. You're a a pastor from background, but you're really an entrepreneur at heart, right? So what advice or encouragement would you have for someone who's listening to the program that maybe God's put a vision? Because this pub theology thing, as an example, was something God put there, and you did something with it. Yeah. So what encouragement would you have for an entrepreneur who's got a vision, something that God's put in their heart, they're wrestling with, they're chewing with, and they're just not sure how to get it started? They're just not sure what to do next. Encourage us. I, I would say start, go. You know, I think so often, it's one of the things I, I talk about often is I feel like all too often we think God is playing a huge game of, of red light, green light. If you guys mm-hmm. remember that, you know, from high yes, school or yeah, not high school, yeah. from elementary school, right? Where, yep. you know, you'd basically get ready to go. And if you, you know, they would say green light, you could start running and red light, you, whoever stopped last is out of the game. And I think too many of us think that God is playing a huge cosmic game of red light, green light, and that he's mostly a red light God. I don't think that's true. I think if, if you, how many times do we have, you know, God recorded telling us go, like be strong, be courageous, go, therefore go, 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 go. And I think, if you're at a place right now when you really do feel like that God has given you a vision for it, very likely, if you're in the business sector, you may be, uh, it comes from Ephesians chapter four, and this is a passage that completely changed my life, is you're very likely given a voice of an apostle. You're apostolic. The voice there is is a pioneer. You're an innovator. You're a pioneer. You're apostolic. And, and in business, we call that an entrepreneur. But knowing that, that that very well may be why God put you on earth. And if he's entrusting ideas that are currently on his mind and his heart to your brain, you got to go after it. And so I would say find the next, the next most logical or easiest step and just go. If you're waiting around for it all to make sense, it never will. But when you start that process and start bringing people into it and start, you know, sharing the ideas and default to yes, you know, I've always told the Lord, like, Lord, like, this is a crazy idea, but listen, the, you know, the deal is always yes. I'll do whatever you, whatever you tell me to do. And, you know, for me, it's changed and, and uprooted my entire life to continue to say yes to what he's doing. But if you've got an idea and you're waiting, don't wait. I mean, default to go, start, do something with it. And so we talked a little bit inside of this blackbirdmission.com, which is your website, Mm -hmm. the pub theology piece, but what are some of the other elements or things that God's calling you at this stage in your entrepreneurial journey? Walk us through that, and and how do you see all that working together and bringing glory to His name in the marketplace? Yeah, so the four brands within Blackbird Mission, there's pub theology, there's radio theology, uh, there's the Born to Be podcast, and then we have a, a a workshop, online workshop called the Spiritual DNA workshop. And so the mission of Blackbird Mission is to awaken individuals to become where they were born to be so they can live with peace, discover their calling, and create the future. And so everything we're trying to do and and are doing with Blackbird is to awaken individuals to become where they were born to be. Part of that is me walking that out myself Mm -hmm. and seeing that that God has called me out of, of the box of ministry that I thought I had to be in and understanding, no, like, 
who I was born to be isn't a, a shepherd, nurturer, pastor. Like God has put me on earth to be an entrepreneur, an apostle, a pioneer. And so what I want to do and we're trying to do with Blackbird is let people know, listen, God's created you on purpose and for a purpose. We want to help you understand that and actually apply that to your life. And when you do, uh, it's amazing that God actually is going to invite you to partner with him and create the future that's currently on his heart and on his mind. And that's in every sphere of life, right? That's that's business. That's that's academia. That's arts. That's entertainment. That's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, one of, the, one of the main things we have is a radio show. We started that uh, about two years ago. Crazy story. We had started Pub Theology. I was on staff at a large church here in Indy. Ended up taking a flyer for one of our events to one of the main, the, the number one DJ here in, in Indy. He shows up at our event at Pub Theology. We develop a friendship. Uh, about a year after that, he invites me to come in and do an interview about Pub on his radio show. That turns into a a twice a month bit called Therapy Thursday, where you know Pastor Darren came in to help, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that ends up building a relationship with with the program director of the station. And then two years ago, he says, "Hey, would you you know would you ever consider hosting your own show here on ZPL?" <laughs> it was one of those like, "Let me pray about that for a once." Yes, I would definitely <laughs> consider <laughs> yes doing that. So. And that, you know, Ray, a lot of what we learned with Pup Theology was that we wanted to take the love of Jesus, you know, outside of the four walls of the church and put it back in the everyday spaces and places of life. And what God's opened the door for us to do with radio theology is, you know, is we're literally riding shotgun with people in their car. It's a very, very intimate place to be in someone's car with them by themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, the defenses yeah. are down. Yeah. Uh, the beautiful thing about radio is that, yeah, I'm talking to 60, 70, 80,000 people at the same time, but you don't know that. You feel like I'm talking right to you. Yeah. And so for us, it's been, we're training ourselves to learn to, to not talk to the crowd, but how do we talk to the individual? and speak to where, where they're at in that. So we've got the radio show and then the Born to Be podcast is our, and the way they work together is we're hoping that we reach people through pub, we reach people through radio, and then as they get curious and say, you know what, maybe I was created on purpose, maybe God is for me, not against me, is we want them to listen to the podcast, to hear other stories of how God has worked in people's lives, and then when they're really ready to figure that out for themselves, want them to take and be a part of the spiritual DNA workshop. And we've seen over 3,000 people go through the, the DNA workshop live or through the online mm -hmm. course. I just got an amazing opportunity to take 122 high school students through it in the past six weeks. And so that's that's kind of the umbrella of everything that we're doing with Blackbird. That's fascinating to me, this whole taking the spiritual DNA workshop in, in, in with high schoolers. The timing of this recording mm -hmm. is just, we're four days removed from a school shooting. Would you speak to what is it that we as entrepreneurs, we're problem solvers, right? Mm -hmm. As entrepreneurs, you're a problem solver. You see a need and you solve it, or you attempt to solve it. What encouragement, what advice would you have to somebody listening to the program today who's saying, we got a problem here. Mm -hmm. What can I, what can we do to begin to address it? You're going in and teaching the kids yeah. at the core of the issue. What, what can we do? I think all of us, whether we're a kid or not, we want to feel like we make sense. We want to know that we belong. And I think that's that relational fabric that God's created in each of us. And within our culture, you know, if you can play football, well, then you belong. If you can play a mm -hmm. sport, well, you can belong. If you can sing, well, you belong. If you have an outward natural talent that makes sense, well, that you find like you can find that niche to where you belong. I think what we what we need to do and what we need from entrepreneurs and from pioneers, from apostles out there that are listening is that as unique and as different as every single yep. one of us are, right. what are some ideas, what are some visions, what are some burdens that are on God's heart right now that are unique to you? And how could you begin to come alongside, you know, 
teens, people in your neighborhood, employees, kids, or, or other folks to, to begin to help them see that you don't have to fit all these, all, all the, the normal or more popular cliche, you know, areas, but how is God creating you to come alongside a kid like that and let him know, listen, you make sense. You don't have to be like that kid. You can right. be like you right. and step into that. And I really believe that God is creative enough that he's got some ideas that he wants to entrust into the hearts and the minds of, of entrepreneurs out there. And I would say this, Ray, and this is something that, that changed for me, is the fact that I had one of the most difficult leadership decisions I ever made was when I walked away from a traditional ministry job. I struggled for months and months and months because I felt like I was turning my back on the church which, you know, thank God the Lord was like, no, like the, the church isn't a building, right? Like we are the church. Mm-hmm. I didn't turn my back on Christ. I didn't change, you know, turn my back on on his people and what, what he's asking us to do and inviting us to do in the world. And so I would say for, for an entrepreneur out there to realize that, that listen, it, it may be outside the context of a church program. It might just be you and two or three other people. It's one of the things that I teach people in the Spiritual DNA Workshop is that so often as entrepreneurs, we dream and pioneers, we dream of, of how am I going to impact the lives of two, three thousand or two, three hundred people. But Jesus's economy, he came down and said, hey, if there's two or three of you, then we've got something we can work with. And so what I encourage somebody is, is you know, ask God, give God access to your imagination and say, God, what could we dream up together that's going to make a difference for two or three kids? Yes. And what does that look like? And if you're smart enough to come up with a multi-million dollar deal to make something happen, I guarantee you you're smart enough to borrow one of God's ideas to make a difference for some kids. And I heard it said that, you know, if, if each of us would just do for one or two what we wish we could do for all, yeah, that's the starting point, whether that's we great. call it the starfish story or whatever, yep. but sometimes we get overwhelmed. You know, it's such, whatever it is, it's such a big problem, it's such a big issue, yeah. but maybe it just begins with the reach out to one. Yeah, You know, so you might be a coach of a sports team right now, and you got that one kid that seems like an outlier. Mm-hmm. You may have that employee yep. who's the outlier, that that little strange personality that we need to take a moment and just give them that little bit of extra attention and love. We don't know, but just making that difference for the one or two may be making a difference for, for them all. So Absolutely. With the name Blackbird Mission, blackbirdmission.com. Tell yeah. me about that, and then i got one more question for yeah, you. Yeah, uh, it came from a buddy of mine. We were coming up with what are we going to call this thing, and he's a great creative guy, and we said... It came together from a couple of different things. One, what we do is is musical, whether it's through the radio or through the you know the, through the through uh, through the pub. And so we say, you know, we love that Beatles song, Blackbird, right? And the the hook there, right? Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. And that you know, as a ministry, we want to be about taking people's brokenness and helping them really be redeemed and, and find that way to fly. The other part of it comes from I love jets, and as a kid, I had a poster of a of an SR seventy one Blackbird spy plane on my on my uh, wall as a kid and so a lot of what we do with blackbird is we we want to be off the radar you know whether it's in a pub or whether it's in a secular you know uh, radio mm-hmm. station mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot more uh, teaching out and uh, i just was able to be a part of a, a big corporate conference here and doing some more corporate speaking and so for me and for our organization we want to be you know off the radar and so we're able to uh, you know i guess infiltrate you know some enemy lines and and take the you know the faith hope and love in jesus to that so that was part of it then there's a second uh, another part of it is first king 17 there's a place where elijah is out in the desert and the ravens and blackbirds bring him provision to keep him alive and so that's a part of what we want to do too is to bring uh, god's provision for people you know into desert desert places and so uh and it just kind of sounds cool so that, yeah, that was, that say, was a that's a really cool name <laughs> with a lot of meaning behind it that's fantastic 
Well, Darren, the last question we ask all of our guests here at Bottom Line Faith, we call it our 423 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon writes, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life, right? Mm -hmm. So you're still a young guy, young kids, and still kind of in the middle of it all, and yet time's fast for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So I want you to just imagine for a moment that you'd fast forward to the end of your time, this side of eternity. Yeah. And you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious to you, and you get to pass along one piece of advice. So I would like you to fill in the blank for our listeners here. What would be that advice that would say, above all else? You know, I think it would have to go back for me as, you know, it's part of our, our, our mission statement is above all else, become who you were born to be and know that part of who you were born to be is you were, you were born to be a dearly loved son or daughter of God, an intimate ally of him. He's created you on purpose and for a purpose and know that there's so much uniqueness in that. And so I think that would be above all else. Yeah, become who you were born to be and realize that there is a uniqueness in you. Uh, there's a unity in all of us in the body and the way we fit together. But if you'll seek out what it means to be with Christ in the unique way that he's created you to serve alongside and partner with him, the life of peace, the life of purpose, the life of passion that lies on the other side of that, that's worth living and dying for. That's great stuff. Darren, thanks for being on the program. Oh, it's my honor. Well, folks, check out Darren Earlywine. His website, again, one last time here is blackbirdmission.com. We've learned who he is, what he's doing, why he's doing it, and that it's more than a really cool name. There's actually a lot of substance <laughs> behind that at blackbirdmission.com. So another great episode here at Bottom Line Faith. Really unique context today really unique challenges that Darren has brought to us as far as we all have a different environment that God has called us into, whether it's, you know, formal church ministry, as was his background, but then God calling him out into the marketplace in some of the darkest, most broken environments. And that's where we all live in the marketplace, is out where the unchurched are, out where those who are not in church on Sunday morning and not in the Bible studies, our customers, our employees, and our vendors. And God has given every one of you who are listening to this program right now a very unique, very unique mission field. And so I, I really hope that you're encouraged and challenged by Darren's message today. Check out the website, bottomlinefaith.org. Become a regular subscriber if you're not. Also, please, please, please go online and, and give us some reviews on the program today. That is how we can get the word out. That's how we can gain more subscribers. And so uh, please offer your reviews, kind reviews only. You know, give us four and five star. I'm just, Darren and I are laughing about that. <laughs> but um, no, in all, in all seriousness, we treasure your reviews on these conversations. So until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to faithfully serve the Lord every day in the marketplace. See you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.